Greetings, everybody, and welcome to the Call to Be podcast, where we seek to empower everyday believers to discover and live out their authentic calling in Christ. I'm Reverend Dr. Travis Guzzi. I'm a pastor as well as an ICS certified life and executive coach and a Gallup Strengths coach. And it's great having all of our viewing and listening audience join us for this uh, once a month conversation that we call Everyday Believers, where we have conversations with everyday believers doing extraordinary things in the kingdom. And today we have a special guest who's joining us in studio, a colleague of mine here on the Southeastern District staff, Kirk Himes. And Kirk is going to be talking to us today about his time serving in the military. Uh, And so this episode is called Called to Serve, and uh, what led him to do that, how God used him in this calling and vocation in life. And I think this is a significant uh, conversation today because uh, there are a lot of people who, uh, when they're young, wrestle with, uh, should I join the military or not? And that service is invaluable for protecting our nation and, and protecting our freedom. So, Kirk, welcome in studio. Good to have you with us. Travis, it's always great to talk, sit down and chat and talk with you. So thanks for having me today. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Kirk, um, I think it would be great for our viewing and listening audience just to get to know you a little bit about your faith journey and, and what led you up to that moment of deciding to go into the military. Wow. Uh, you know, it's, that's going back a few years. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I grew up in a home of uh, Christians. So my mother was the church organist. My father taught Sunday school. Um, and, you know, it, it just, it, it seemed like the thing to do, okay? And I think we all, especially so young kids today. So you just grew today, up in the faith. Faith was just a part of everyday life for you. Well, I don't know if I'd say grew up in the faith, but I grew around in mm. up around in the faith. Right. So it was kind of, in my mind, it was brought about being the expected thing to do. It was just life. I don't know if I, in the beginning, had a real close relationship with the Lord. Um, but, you know, Sundays were was a time to go to Sunday school and be in the, in the church service. And, and so when I got a little bit older, um, I, I had a wonderful transformation. I I just, there was a moment where I accepted Jesus as my savior. I knew my relationship was personal Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I never, ever, ever in a million years, uh, saw any kind of a conflict between my Christian faith and being able to go into the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I uh, I was blessed uh, to to be able to uh, uh, run track and cross country, and it helped me get into college. Um, I, I had a co- high school coach who knew that I was interested in the academy. So it, it, long story short, I, I ended up uh, going to the Naval Academy to to run track and field. And oh, by the way, get a wonderful education. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember uh, Army recruiter in high school. I used to be a track and cross-country runner as well. And it's like, well, you can run a lot in the military. It's like, <laughs> I bet you can. <laughs> yeah, but there was at one point in time, I had a friend who, who you know, let's face it, the Marines are not known for being erudites and top thinkers and he was a guy who loved to read and he went into his boss and said let's let's start this uh, uh gathering where we could read books talk about things and the and of course he was talking about military books right right, right. but but, but uh, his boss told him hey why don't you go out and run till that feeling goes away <laughs> this is not a book club right <laughs> So, Kirk, you, you had a choice of some different military options, and you chose 
specifically the Marines. Yeah. Um, now, what was it about the Marines that made you say that's that's the uh, the the armed forces I want to join? Boy, I'll tell you what. If if you'd have asked me that question when I went to the academy, the academy is able to uh, source both the Navy and almost twenty percent of the class can go into the Marine Corps because the Marines are a part of the Department of Navy. Yeah, see, and I don't think a lot of people realize uh, the, the the connection um, of the Navy and the Marines. Oh, yeah, there's there's a connection in the sense that we both belong to the Department of the Navy. Okay. And then there's a, all that good-natured ribbing about the Navy being the Uber service for the Marines. <laughs> they, but, they just kind of cruise you around to where you're needed, right? Exactly. You know, you need to get to where you go however you get there, and the Navy's there for us. So there's a lot of good-natured ribbing and all, but, uh, you know, we, we love our brothers and sisters in the Navy. Yeah. And, uh, but, but you ask about why the Marine Corps. Well, it was never my intent to go in the Marine Corps. I would, if you had asked me that question when I first showed up, I would have said, "Why would in the world would I ever go into the Marine Corps?" But I realized that for as intense as the Marine Corps is, um, there's there's a certain element of humble servitude that mm-hmm. the leaders of the Marines have. For instance, when you're in the field, the youngest Marine, the junior Marine, goes through the chow line first. Okay, he gets he's he's the guy who's out there burning calories. He's doing one doing all the work. So, right. so the 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 senior marine eats last. And I got to thinking about that, and it's like, okay, well, that's kind of how I, you know, it's the cowboy code, if you will. You take care of your horse, you make sure the horse is fed, you brush it down, and then you take care of yourself. Well, yeah. you know, well, I'm, I'm just even thinking Jesus' words: the the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Well, absolutely. But it kind of breaks it down a little bit more Barney style than that <laughs> in, in a sense that, listen, if if for some reason the chow that's being delivered to your position, it's not like you go to the restaurant or anything like that. Right. They, they bring the chow and vats and serve. Um, well, if if you're shorted, the senior guy is the one who eats mm. less or doesn't eat. And Making you, sure the guys are ready and, and fueled for action. Absolutely. But even... Even at a, a simpler level, if the senior guy doesn't get fed, somebody's going to hear about it. If the junior guy doesn't get fed, it's like, go away, you bother me. Right, right. You know, right. so there's there's more of an impact, and it's kind of a safety valve to make sure that, you know, things are working the way they should. So, yeah, yeah. I, you know, that it was that humbleness. It was that take care of your Marines and your men first. That that really attracted me um, yeah. to, to that that particular branch of service. Yeah. Now talk a little bit about your career. How long were you in the uh, the Marines? Uh, what what did you kind of focus on uh, in your service and what rank did you eventually get to? Well, I, uh, I, I went into the service thinking that I was going to do my obligated five years and then get out, serve my country. Get a college and, education. And, and, and then start to apply it in the civilian workforce. Right. Well, abs- yeah. <laughs> I woke up one day and 10 years had gone by. Um, and eventually that led to a career that, that I, I, I retired after 26 years Mm. and, uh, I, I did achieve, uh, the rank of Colonel. So it was, uh, it it was a very productive, I, as, as a, as a Marine, my military occupational specialty was, uh, artillery, but I got to do a lot of different and diverse things in addition to being an artilleryman. Yeah. 
uh, you and I were talking uh, before this episode. You even got a, uh, a, or you were on 60 Minutes uh, <laughs> back in, I think, 2008, uh, yeah. talking about uh, some non-lethal ways to engage the uh, the enemy. Well, I uh, my last duty and responsibility was to be the director for the non-lethal, the Department of Defense's non-lethal weapons directorate and basically what that is if you if you think about what it uh what tools are available to law enforcement it's tasers it's the rubber bullets it's beanbag rounds it's those things that 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 do not damage a person that they can't come back physically you know obviously if you get hit by a a a beanbag shot out of a shotgun it is going to hurt right uh but you know, that bruise goes away, that bone doesn't get broken, that yeah. kind of thing. So maybe a misnomer of the military is they're not always going in to shoot them up and, and you know, take heads and take lives. It's they're, they're, they're thinking in terms of also how do we accomplish the mission without killing? Well, I, I had a general that I talked to uh, regularly and he said, Kirk, what? why would you want to go into the non-lethal weapons directive? The definition of a marine, uh, of a non-lethal weapon is a Marine with his finger off the trigger. Right. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and, and I was able, my son was about 17 at the time and I was able to point out, you know, our young kids have, are, are, are great decision makers, but they don't have the experience to make decisions really really fast right so if you have non-lethality as far as a tool that person who who may be just on the street demonstrating um if you hit them with a non-lethal weapon and and it pushes them back and they go away that person doesn't get killed yeah but if they work through the pain that really indicates their intent right and so and and listen you know take take the blinders off the marines are kind of known for you know hey this this tough and rough uh composition i don't care who you are if you have to take an enemy combatant's life um that's something that stays with you yeah and and so if if you were always second guessing yourself was was that the right thing to do you know that that yeah. that impacts people's mentality for a long time. Yeah, and I think it goes back to really kind of a question that that was around at Luther's time when he wrote on vocation. Um, and you know, I think a lot of people looked at the, the the careers of soldiers, and and the question was, can soldiers be saved? Can you be in the military and and do all the things that sometimes the military is called to do, even to the point of taking lives, and still be a Christian? Um, now. Luther said, of course you can, because it's part of how God loves and serves through the military. Uh, God gave, you know, we hear from the Apostle Paul, gave the sword to those in authority. And part of that is not just leaders, but also those who serve in police, in the military. And um, I just would be curious, how would you address that question? You know, uh, reconciling your faith as a Christian to serving in the military? Well, Travis, I, I don't think it's that hard. I think we we try to convolute things in today's society by overthinking it and, you know. But going back to the Old Testament, what did God call David to do as a young teenager? Yeah. To slay Goliath. And we celebrate that story as, uh, as overcoming evil, okay? Uh, let's go to the New Testament where... Jesus was, uh, uh, the centurion came out to Jesus and said, 
you know, I have a servant who, who needs, he's near death. He needs to be healed. And, uh, you know, Jesus said, well, let's go. And he says, no, if you say it's going to happen, I know, you, you know, I have the experience. I tell men to do things and I know that if I give the order, it's going to be done. All you have to do is give the order. What was Jesus's response? Jesus said, rarely have I seen such faith. Yeah. Didn't now, say, how dare you exactly. be a, a soldier? Well, and, and, and I think it's, it's wonderful because the Roman, centur- the Roman soldiers, first of all, in the Jewish culture were looked at as oppressors. Yeah. And so Jesus didn't chastise the, the centurion for what he did. He looked at what he was doing with, and how his faith was. So, again, I, there is no open criticism in the Bible about, uh, you know, other than doing wrong, which in the military, if you're given a lawful order, you're yeah. expected to follow that lawful order. If you're given an unlawful order, right. you're not expected to follow that. So it's, it's living faithfully within that calling and vocation you have and not use, misusing that vocation um, for, for doing evil, but, but trying to do good. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's the heat of battle and, you know, it, things happen and, but, but it's, it, but it, it, the intent and that's, that's where, you know, we use terms like where the heart is. Yeah. The, the, the feeling, the following of the heart to regardless of how the emotions get in the heat of battle, what's the intent yeah. and, and are, are you doing this for good? Or are you doing it for evil? Yeah. And, and also knowing that, that through faith in Christ, there's grace and forgiveness, that even if you do make mistakes, that the God's grace covers a multitude of sins. And, oh, uh, absolutely. And, and that, that, that brings that solace. And, and also, I think, the freedom to, to live out vocation, uh, especially in the military. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's face it. We go through life. People make mistakes. People are, are killed in accidents. Yeah. You know, it's never the intent. It's never the focus of the heart, we hope. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's not that far. And, and one of the things that I liked about the military is it gave me an opportunity to live the example. I, it wasn't a pulpit, but I was a Christian. Yeah. When I took over command of an organization of Marines, uh, you know, I, I, I've led uh, a, a battery, which is the same as a company, an artillery battery. Um, and... It gave me a chance to stand out in front of those Marines. And then, again, when I became a battalion commander and I had almost a 1,000 Marines, it gave me a chance to stand out there and say, gentlemen, we were all men at the time, gentlemen, uh, you know, I, you have to know a couple of things about how I make decisions. I said, I want you to know, first and foremost, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Second uh, is, is that I am a husband and a father. And when people understand how you make decisions or why you're making certain decisions and you give them that insight, then you have said, okay, now it's, 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 it's a challenge because when you declare yourself a Christian, people you are better, watching, you better live up to yeah. live up to that. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> so it gives, it gives me a, a, a challenge to, to live my life and represent the mm-hmm. gospel in my day to day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Kirk, as you lived out your calling um, in the military, you, you talked about some of the opportunities. 
and, and some of the challenges. What other opportunities and challenges did you see? And, and how did you navigate that? Being a Christian, knowing that's my ultimate calling, but I've also got this calling in the military and, and there are opportunities with it. There's also some possible restrictions of living out that faith. How was that for you navigating? Well, I, I think it's, it's if you know the rules of the game, you can play within those rules. Um, you know, as a, as a Christian in the military, um, you, you probably a lot of folks have heard about how Christians go overboard and lose their positions because they use their position as a pulpit, hmm. okay? And in, in our duty and responsibility to the government is to be that military leader, to, to, to take care of things and not be chaplains. Right. Chaplains are really super important, but our job is not being a chaplain. So if if you understand the fact that, again, you can't use your position as a pulpit, you can influence and guide and direct and be a positive example for all those young soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines. And and your actions often or so often speak louder than words. Yeah, yeah. Jesus even said, you're the light of the world. And when he talks about um, letting our light shine, he says um, that, that people may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's part of how we let our light shine is in our callings and vocations to to do our good works, to love and serve our neighbors in our callings and, and the restrictions and the responsibilities that come with it. And as we do that, um, the people, you know, I always kind of say that uh, people may not believe in the God we believe in, but they may say, if there is a God, I thank God for that person. You're exactly right. And, and one of the things that I ask myself pretty regularly was, you know, if I was convicted or if I was uh, accused of being a Christian in a court of law, would there be enough evidence in my life yeah. to convict me? Yeah, yeah. And so what I did was try to pepper my life with opportunities for people to see that, yeah, he's a man of God. Yeah. Well, we're a witness all the time, whether we're intentional about it or not. But one way or another, we do bear witness. Oh, absolutely. In in everything we say and everything we do. I I mentioned a minute ago about the chaplains being so important, and they really, truly are. Um, what, What it gave my chaplains an opportunity. I mean, a chaplain goes through seminary. Yep. goes through really, really basic military training. I mean, you know, how do you tie your boots and how do you look okay in uniform? Right. But but above and beyond that, they're not given any of the background into the, the military and why they think. If I am able to be there to be a counselor and, and a compatriot to the chaplain, they came to me very often and had discussions about, well, why are we doing this? And why right. do the Marines act this way? And and I was able to provide them some insight right. that made them more effective yeah. in yeah. their vocation yeah, as a chaplain. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's interesting that, that the United States military is very unique in the world in having chaplains. Um, yeah pastors and, and rabbis and, and other from other faith traditions in, in the armed services. Not every country has that. What was um, the, the, uh, the impact of maybe some chaplains in your life uh, serving in the Marines? <laughs> well, they, they run soup to nuts. Uh, it, it, the, the impact of chaplains, I, I think most of all, and, and I'll go back to one chaplain who, uh, who, who I thought the world of, um, and uh, uh, he was Southern Baptist, and, and of course, you know, Southern Baptists don't dance and they don't drink. Well, 
I, I caught him with a beer one time, and, and uh, I said, Chaplain, I said, we're going to have to have a chat here. So, <laughs> so the next opportunity, we were out in the field. You know, you get some downtime in, in training. And I said, now talk to me about this. And he says, Kirk, he says, you know, he says, there are truths in the Bibles, and then there are absolute truths in the Bible. Right. <laughs> the absolute truths are the ones that keep us or, or, or allow us to get into heaven. The other truths of the Bible are the the way that we interpret the Bible. You know, certain faiths, certain Protestants, uh, denominations have different thoughts about what's right and what's wrong. Right. I, I have this burning thought that I am going, when I go through the pearly gates, I am not going to have to stand in the Lutheran line. Okay, so I, I think I'm going to see my Baptist friends, my right. Catholic friends, so the things that the nuances that separate them in our own faith walks yeah. uh, are not necessarily the important things. Yeah, it's it's faith in Jesus. It's what He has done for our life Absolutely. and salvation, and that gift of faith that He gives to us to believe that gives us eternal life. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Kirk. I want to talk for just a second here. Um, there's something that's been on my heart and mind. Um, I, I've been seeing some news reports lately about um, suicide rates among veterans. Uh, that they are 50 times, I'm sorry, not 50 times, 50% higher than the national average. What is the challenge that some coming out of the military after their life of service, and especially maybe if they've seen combat, um, what are some of the unique challenges that they have kind of transitioning into civilian life? And what can we as churches and everyday believers do to connect to them and and be a blessing to them in, in the midst of some of these challenges? Travis, that is a phenomenal question. Um, and, and you know, that's one of the things that I look at is why I stayed in longer in the military than I had originally planned. I didn't necessarily enjoy what I was doing on a day-to-day basis, but I enjoyed what I was doing because of who I was doing it with. Hmm. There is such a sense of togetherness. There's such a sense of family in the military, especially in combat where you have to put your faith, trust, and confidence in the guy who's fighting right next to you. Right. That creates a really, really tight bond. And, you know, when our, when our soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines come home and transition into a, a civilian setting, they're not with those people that they bonded with. So it's almost like they've gone from one family to a non-family environment. Mm. And so where churches can really pick up the slack on that. And, and of course, <laughs> they, they need to see the association with a church. They need to feel a togetherness. They want to feel a bond. So where we can help those folks coming out of the military is by making them a part of the family. Right. And being with them, it's it's not a case that uh, now there's there's another syndrome that happens in combat that doesn't necessarily, you know, uh, the way I'll explain it is is where you see single vehicle or single motorcycle accidents, you know, some some guy buddy comes back from combat and high rate of speed can't negotiate the turn and gets into an accident and, and, the, and the military person is killed. Right. In combat, there's that thing called adrenaline. Yeah. And, and adrenaline just is such a powerful drug that happens inside the body. You've, you've heard the term adrenaline rush. Right. Um, 
<laughs> it's not fear. It's just that you it's know, kind of an addiction to that high that you get during adrenaline. Exactly. Um, so when somebody comes back from combat, they're looking for that adrenaline rush. How do they do that? Go hot. They go like crazy on a motorcycle because they're living on the edge. Right. And a lot of times that edge falls out. Yeah. And so those are that's different than 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 somebody taking their own life. I, I think the uh, I think we lose twenty two veterans a day mm. to suicide. So, I it. And, and I've, I've known folks who have committed suicide and I've talked to their families and they really don't see any outward signs. It's just, they, they internalize it. Yeah. So, you know, you have to, you have to reach out and become part of their lives. Yeah. Not just say, Hey, do you need any help? Right. You know, they're not going to It may take a time for, for that to, for them to open up and have that trust to be able yeah. to share. Yeah. 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 And that's, you. that's how we live out our lives as Christians. Yeah. We have to be in tune with others. We have to, to reach out. If you're just a Christian that goes to Sunday worship and say, okay, I checked the block for my Christianity this week. No, that's not how we show love for our neighbor. Yeah. Our, we show our love for our neighbor. When you look at church as a Tesla recharging station, and then you go out into the community full of the love of Jesus and being willing to live that faith yeah. and share it with others. Yeah, and that's how we can be a blessing to our neighbors in our communities. Oh, my goodness, yeah. 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 So, Kirk, you finished uh, serving in the military, but yet God called you to a different service, not as a pastor or a professional church worker, but you uh, work here on our district staff, and especially in the role of being a vice president, and you are with LCEF. What is LCEF? What led you to serving with them? Well, that's that's another great story. And my life has just been fantastically filled with wonderful God winks. Um, LCEF is the Lutheran Church Extension Fund. Now, when I got when I saw the position description for it, I probably couldn't have even spelled LCEF, <laughs> let alone told you what it was anything about. But uh, when I started to to look into it and. Uh, my pastor actually sent me the position description to pass on to my wife. She's an accountant. So there's a certain degree of finances. We right. LCEF basically helps churches finance new buildings, maintenance, taking care of repairs. Uh, you know, it's really that dollars dollar resource that we make available to ministry. Um, so when, when I sent her the the, the position description just forwarded it. It was it was electronic on an email. Uh, she said, "No, nah, this isn't me." But have you read this? And it was one of those moments when I took it back, went back, and I read it. Right, little hairs on the back of my neck stood up. So I I knew right from the get go that God was saying right then and there, "This was for you." This was well. He he said he was telling me, uh, and, and what I didn't know is. It was his intent for me to go through the process of applying. Right. So it, it it eventually he wanted me in the position. So it's just been a tremendous opportunity, um, not only to work for LCEF, to, but to be part of the Southeastern District staff. Or had the opportunity to to go through the lay deacon training uh, as part of the uh, uh, just an, a wonderful opportunity that's made available to us, and in that role and in that training, I truly realized how strong the opportunity is for us to be lay leaders, which 
in a sense, was what I did in the military. You know, how do you develop a cadre of lay people who are helping in the ministry of the church? Right. I've often told somebody, you know, I, I've often used this example. If you try, when I tried to tell my kids to do something when they were growing up and they hadn't been shown how to do it, I got the deer in the headlight look, right. you know, right. it's like, and, and, and if I, if they didn't say anything, they just walked away and, and didn't do anything about it. Well, kind of in Matthew 28, we experienced the same thing when Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. If we don't have a clue on how to make a disciple, then we assume, well, it's the pastor's job. Right. It's the guy who went to seminary. That's his duty and responsibility when it's not. It's yeah. Well, any any pastor will tell you uh, we, we have an effect within our churches, our faith communities. Uh-huh. Um, I always say that, like my wife, uh, she she has far greater influence and connections with people who don't know Christ and to be a witness than than I ever did being a director of outreach or being a pastor. Um, and, and it's not that pastors shouldn't be out in the community as well, but p- just it's part and parcel as you go out and live your calling every day as an everyday believer, you're just going to have more opportunities to connect with people who don't know Christ and his love and to be able to, to love and serve and be that light. And, and uh, hopefully that through our actions, we win that opportunity to share the good news of Christ. Uh, hey, and, and don't take this personally. I'm going to use an extreme example here, okay? I'm not trying to associate pastors with, but right. bear with me. Sure, sure. Have you ever gone out to buy a car? Oh, yeah. Okay. What's the most dreaded thing uh, yeah. that a person has when they go to a new car lot? Is the guy walking up to you and yep. saying, how can I help you? Yes. Um, however, if you have a friend who says, I went to that car dealership, I bought that car, I think that's the best car for my purposes. I, yeah. I think I'd get one if I was in the market. Yeah. Well, guess what? A lot of times people who don't or aren't part of the faith don't know the wonderfulness of the pastor. So they see a caller, and it's like the wall goes up. Right, right. You right, know right. the defenses, the defense mechanism kicks yep, in, yep. and 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 it's it's like okay, this is guy, this guy is a salesman from God. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 are, what are they trying to do to me today? <laughs> exactly. But if you are just as you go, yeah. If you are living your vocation, if it, and that's just as you go, whether you're in a restaurant, whether you're, you know, buying a car or, yeah. or sharing some things with a friend, you know, those are the people that say, what's this person have to gain? So yeah. they're telling me about something special in their life. Yeah. yeah. So when, yeah, cause they're not getting paid for it. This is, this yeah. is their life, you know? So I've, I've been to a lot of churches in their, in their older leadership teams and they want to talk outreach. Well, Kirk, you know, we Lutherans don't do much outreach. We're not really comfortable in that setting. Well, do you talk to your friends? Yeah. Do you talk to strangers? Yeah. Do you share something special about your hometown? Do you talk about the pretty colors of the leaves in the fall? Well, as we go, if we can share our faith in the same way that we talk about our sporting events and a team, and hey, did you see that play on Sunday? Right, Look right, right. what happened. Well, it's it's just a simple yeah. learning how to talk about our yeah. faith. Yeah, and and you know they find statistics that ninety uh, percent of people who join a church they do so because of the invitation of a close friend. Yeah, I mean, that that's we we have an incredible influence as everyday believers. Well, I mean, I I w- I don't know that I'd feel comfortable walking into a mosque. 
Yeah. You know, so we we sometimes want to make our churches look really beautiful, which is fine. That's to the yeah. glory of God. But that's not going to get people to walk through the doors. Now, now I say that people, uh, for, for a, a non-Christian to walk into yeah. a church is as foreign as anybody of us walking into a Muslim mosque or a, a Buddhist temple. It's just foreign. It's different. And, and it can be scary. Yeah. And, and so usually it's the invitation of a friend. Getting and, and first of all, not just like directly go from, hey, great to meet you. Would you like to come to church? Um, it's learning to build a friendship first because uh, that can be like asking somebody to marry you on the first date. Uh, hey, would you go to church with me? That's, that's a way too much commitment, way too fast for a lot of oh, people. Oh, absolutely. Some of the best church services I've had have been on the hood of a Humvee. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so kind of bringing it back to the military, yeah. it's – it's how you approach things. It's making the church accessible. And, and right. when I say the church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking the about the fellowship of believers. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Kirk, uh, as we wrap up this podcast, yeah. um, there might be some young people who are thinking and praying about, should I go into the military? What advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say that there is no better way to become self, you know, achieve self-discipline. You know, the military is there. It, I didn't pay for my education. The military gave me great training, gave me leadership training, how to get along with others. You know, we used to have a saying, we, we didn't have, in, in, the, in the Marine Corps, we didn't have uh, race, race uh, uh, at all. We had light green and we had dark green. <laughs> and, and, and the meaning of that is, is, hey, we're all the same on the inside. We all bleed the same color, you know, and it really helped me to understand the melting pot of America. And so there are just so many tremendous, valuable things. I would even say that if I am in a position to hire somebody in a company, you know, somebody that's... Uh, uh, gone through and had a successful tour of duty with the military, I, I know that they have the stick to and the determination to be successful. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of benefits. It's not for everybody. I'll say that right up front. It is not for everybody. But uh, if you're on the fence, you know, maybe, maybe your, your progression is that coming right out of high school, you're not ready to go to college yet. Well, go into the military for a couple of years, and then not only do you have a lot more maturity and have an idea of what you want to do, now the military is going to help you out with your college with the Montgomery yeah. GI Bill. Yeah. So it's it's a win-win. Yeah, and you're going to learn some life lessons along the way, leadership skills that will help you for a lifetime. Meet great people, make friends. I, I, I tell you what, especially with social media, I, I still have Marine friends that I had uh, I, I won't say how long, but <laughs> a while back. Right, right. And so I'm getting to see those who I worked with, the pictures of their grandkids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Kirk, we want to thank you for coming in studio, talking about your time of service uh, in the military, in the Marine Corps. Uh, we want to thank you for your service uh, to our country. Um, the, the, there's incredible value that, that men and women like you 
in, in giving their, their time, giving of their talents, giving of their service to our nation. Um, it, it is really invaluable. Um, we wouldn't be where we are as a nation without your service. So thank you for that. And, and we want to thank all of you for joining us for this uh, Everyday Believer Conversation with Kirk. Uh, we hope that it was a blessing to you. Um, if you know a, a young person who maybe wants to consider joining or maybe they're, they're in the process of considering if they sh- should go into the military or not, uh, share this podcast with them. Maybe this might be a blessing to them uh, to help make that decision. Um, if you have are currently in the military or have served in the military. Again, thank you for your service. Uh, It is invaluable, and God is using you uh, not only to protect this nation, but to also love and serve those that you serve with on an everyday basis. Uh, We especially want to thank uh, the Southeastern District and Malem uh, for this uh, the, the generous gift that makes this podcast possible. And a call to action for you today is we just want to encourage you to not only view this podcast, but like and share it as well. Uh, Let it be a blessing to others, uh, hopefully as it's been a blessing to you. With that, we want to thank you all for joining us for this podcast conversation. With that, I want to wish you all God's richest blessings, and we'll catch you next time for the Call to Be podcast. Take care, everybody.